Luke 8, 1 through 21. I'm going to read this passage and then we'll pray. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chosa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved." And the ones on the rock are are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They they believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, and they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to hear it this morning and to do it. We, we also think this morning, um, as we pray, we think of the, uh, the young boy who, um, from, from uh, Tippy Valley, the young boy who is in a, a serious um, accident and who is in serious critical condition right now. We pray that you would be with him and heal him, um, if that would be your will. And we pray for his family and his loved ones and his friends. And we pray that throughout all of this, that you would do um, good work through your word, through your spirit, um, in that situation. And we pray for comfort there. And then we also pray for, for us here as we, as we hear your word um, and as we submit ourselves to your word you would do a work in our hearts as well, that we would bear fruit with patience. We thank you for all of these things. In Christ's name, amen. 
um, to, to really appreciate many things in life, you have to appreciate, um, like both sides, you have to get both sides of the story. Like my, my wife is, um, she is, uh, doing this, um, this weird, this weird diet and it's, it's been pretty helpful, but it's like, uh, paleo and then a bunch of other stuff. Like, uh, she can't have anything that tastes good, basically. So she just, she, everything has been removed. There's no sugar, there's no dairy, there's no oats, there's like all of the things that I live on, she can't have. And so, and I just call it paleo, but it's way more than that, but I just call it paleo because I can't, I don't, I, I can't keep track of the rest of it. So I just call it paleo. And so, whenever my wife makes a meal, like a full meal, and it is, and she says, it's paleo, well, I got, okay, but then I eat it, and it's delicious. That's a both and that you're just not expecting, right? Both paleo and delicious. And it's, it doesn't make sense to me because I know that she's had to remove everything that I enjoy out of that meal, and yet it still tastes good. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. If you're going to understand, um, this is, I, I, I have a, I have trouble with bumper stickers. I have trouble with, with short, quick, like signs that are trying to teach people theology in like this short, punchy way. You know, I, I see this sign that maybe some a church or something puts out and I'm just like, and, and I kind of grimace and my kids are, well, what's wrong with that? It's true. I was like, well, yeah, it's true, but you have to understand, like, you, there's, there's another side of that that they, they don't say. So it's, it's true, but it's only partially true because you don't have the whole story there. You have to have both this and that if you're going to really understand. Like there's a, there's a book I haven't read yet because I, I just, I know that if I bought it, it would just sit on my shelf and it's kind of an expensive book, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait till I think I'm actually gonna read it. But it's called God is Love. But it's like 700 pages. It's like a 700 page systematic theology. Cause God is love, but you have to understand what we mean by that. I mean, John in his epistles said, God is love. But he said it in the context of the whole Word of God. There's a lot going on in that statement, God is. Love. To truly understand Jesus, you have to have the both and the and. You have to see he is both this and that. You have to. So our sermon is really simple this morning. We're going to see three both ands of Jesus. We're going to try to, try to get a, a better understanding of who Jesus is. So we're going to, we're going to do both and. So our sermon is, is, it looks like this. Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. Jesus is both clear and confusing, and following Jesus is both now and for the rest of your life. That's our simple, straightforward sermon this morning. Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. Jesus is both clear and confusing, and following Jesus is both now and for the rest of your life. So let's look at number one. Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. If you start with um, verses 1 through 3, Luke is pointing out here, he is emphasizing, as he loves to do actually all the way through his gospel, just how inclusive Jesus is. Everybody is, in, anybody is included. Any kind of person is included. Anybody is, is, when Jesus says, come unto me, you who labor, I will give you rest, Jesus is talking to any, absolutely any kind of person. Any kind of person can believe the gospel. Uh, the, the twelve were with him. He says in verse in verse one, the twelve were with him as he's going around proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom 
of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. So, so the twelve right there, when Jesus includes those twelve, and we looked at those guys, I mean, that is a motley crew. And when, when Jesus grabbed those guys to be his followers, to be among his, his inner circle, we, Jesus was proving that any kind of person is fine. That you don't have to have a certain kind of background, a certain kind of upbringing. You don't have to be a certain, even a certain nationality. You don't have to, Jew, Gent, you can be whatever, any kind of person from any kind of background is in. Jesus will take any kind of person. Jesus is very inclusive. And, and now we're seeing even more of that when he brings women in. There was no, like, back in the first century, there's no, like, co-educational like discipleship groups, right? I mean, you didn't, a, a, a respected rabbi, a respected master who had a following, that that following would not include women. It just would never have happened back then. Never have happened. And Jesus, Jesus includes women. Gladly includes women. Gladly includes anybody from any race, any background, any gender, any anything. Jesus wants them in. Anybody. And it's not just women, although that would have been controversial enough. That would have raised a lot of eyebrows. That would have got a lot of rumors going. Jesus didn't care about any of that. It's, it's not just women. It's, it, these women were these women were 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 possessed by demons. They, they had. They, I mean, Mary Magdalene in her past she had been she had been healed of of from seven seven evil spirits. She had been delivered from seven evils. I mean, she had a, I mean, she had a past. She had a history. There was some story. When people saw Mary Magdalene, when they saw her going around with the disciples, serving disciples out of her own means, when, when, when Jesus said, yeah, she's, she's with us, that would have, that would have been controversial. There would have been some whispers. There would have been some what in the world is going on. Jesus doesn't care about any of that. He's not afraid of what people are going to think of him. He's not picking people because they're going to elevate his status. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of your past. He's not worried about what reputation you had before you met him. He's not. Jesus is incredibly inclusive. Any kind of person can be born again. Any kind of person can be saved. Any kind of person can believe the gospel and be brought into Jesus' family. Jesus is incredibly inclusive. But he is also incredibly exclusive. We have to understand the both and the and. He is both incredibly inclusive and incredibly exclusive. Let's look down at the, the end of our passage this morning, verses 19 through 21, where the, 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 his mother and his brothers come to him but they could not reach him in verse 19 because of the crowd. And Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my mother and my brothers, listen to this, are those who hear the word of God and do it. So, so Jesus is going to be so clear here. He's going to say, any kind of person can come in. I'll, I'll take any kind of person in my family. Come on in. But if you are in my family, here's what you will do. You will hear the Word of God and you will do it. So, any kind of person can come in. Jesus is incredibly inclusive, but we see how exclusive He is when He says that there are some people that would say they're in my family that aren't. 
The people who are, are the people who they hear the Word of God and they do it. Jesus in Matthew 11 says to us, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Any kind of person can get in on this. Come on in. Come, please come. Please believe the Gospel. Like if, you, if you've never believed the Gospel, if, you've, if your hang-up is like stuff you've done in your past or where you grew up or what kind of family you come from or what kind, like what, if your hang up is any like and there's no hang ups that are good enough there's no hang ups that Jesus is like yeah I, actually I don't want you that's you're right I'm telling you if if God in his grace and mercy can save me then no one is outside his reach there's not any kind of person who's outside his reach come on in do it now believe the gospel now Put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save you from your sins and do it now. He'll take you. He wants you. Come on in. But you also have to understand here that Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't lie to us. He's not, he's, he, he, he doesn't do bait and switch. He's not going to fake you out. I've met people who they hang their hat on being inclusive. They say, yeah, I'm inclusive. I love everybody. And then they find out, oh, wait, you're a Bible person? Oh, actually, I don't love you. I, I didn't realize you're not part of the everybody that I love. Oh, wait, wait, wait what? So you're, you're, no, that's not how inclusive works. They don't mean everybody in. They mean you can come on in if you think the way they do. They, they include everybody who is as inclusive as they are. Jesus isn't going to mess with us. Jesus is all about intellectual honesty. He's not going to fake us out. He's going to say very clear to us, anybody can come in. But here's what happens when you're in. You will more and more and more align yourself with the Word of God. You will be changed by the Holy Spirit. You will be changed. You will more and more hate what I hate and love what I love, Jesus says. The the people who are in are the ones who hear the Word of God and they do it. So if we're going to understand as a church, because we have to understand this. Like, as a church, we just have to be the kind of church that just gladly says anybody, like anybody from any background, from any, anywhere, from any, any, anybody from anywhere can come in and hear the word of God preached. And we, and we will, we will gladly tell the gospel to, to anybody. If, if Jesus saved us, he'll save anybody. We have to grab a hold of this as a church. But then, we also have to hold just as a, a firm a grasp on the fact that if Jesus brings us in, if we are in Jesus' family, He changes us into someone who more and more and more aligns themselves with the Word of God. So in this way, He is both inclusive and exclusive. Number two, Jesus is both clear and confusing. Jesus is both clear and confusing. Verses four through ten. These are just fascinating verses. When I when I read this, I thought of my my wife and I um, and the the, uh, um, the 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 kids the, the kids that we have that are following us into nerdiness. Uh, they love. Uh, we watch like British um, 
British shows. We watch, we watch like Charles Dickens miniseries from like PBS Masterpiece and stuff. We have, we're weird. Anyhow, but we, and so we, a lot of our favorite shows are like shows that are set in an old time, like in World War II and they're from like the BBC or from PBS or something. And it's all British and it's all British accents, right? And so we always have to have the subtitles on. We have to. Like, uh, we have to have subtitles on in our house anyhow because a couple of our kids just, just ask questions that probably would have been answered if they would just shut up and listen to the mu- movie. Um, but since they're asking questions in the middle of the movie, then they don't know what's happening next because they were, you know, so it's a, it's a mess. So I just keep the subtitles on and I watch the subtitles as the, my rest of my family's talking about whatever. So anyhow, um, but, but we have to with these British shows. Because British people don't talk American. They don't. Like, they just, they don't talk American. Um, it's clear to British people what they're saying. British people don't need subtitles, or whatever it is they call them in England. But, but we do. We do. It's clear to Brits, but it's not to us. Hmm. I'm reminded of that when I read verses 4 through 10. I'm always surprised when I read this, this little passage. It's fascinating to me. So when a, when a great crowd, hold on to that, verse 4, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him. So, so Jesus has, he has every public speaker's dream, right? He has every preacher's dream. He has a great crowd. It's people from town after town are coming to listen to him preach. And so, and so what is he gonna do? Cause is he gonna do the church growth guru thing? Like, I don't, I haven't read a church growth book in years, and that's shocking to you, I'm sure. But it's been like, I don't know, 15 years since I, since I read what the experts say I should do. I, I don't know what they should, I don't know, I don't know if they're saying the same thing. But when I was a kid, back in my youth, um, they, they said, you gotta, you gotta bring everybody together. You gotta, you gotta have this service where you get everybody together for Mother's Day or Easter or, or Pack a Pew Sunday or whatever. And, uh, and then you gotta, you gotta give them your best sermon. So they'll come back. I, I mean, preacher, you gotta give your best sermon. And so, the problem with doing that here though is people realize, Steve's got like one good sermon and then, yeah. And so, that, that, they, 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 wait, I think, no, when I, anyhow, so anyhow, um, that, that plan wouldn't really work here. But, it's sound in principle, right? You get everybody together, and then you wow them with this great sermon, and then they keep coming back. Yay! Jesus gets a great crowd together, and then he tells them a story that no one understands. That's his plan. You won't find that in any book except for the Bible. He says to them, they're all there, and he says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed it, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the bird of the air, birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. You're dismissed. That's what he said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The church growth people would not love this. No one has any idea what he's talking about. We, I mean, you, when you read that story, you know what he's talking about because you've heard this, probably you've heard this parable before and you've heard it explained before you, I mean, because he does thankfully go on to explain it in the next few verses, but only to certain people. Only to certain people. This is bad strategy. This is not, this is not good strategy. Why would Jesus do this. And the disciples want to know, actually. Verse 9, his disciples ask him what this parable meant. They come up to him afterwards and they say, what? 
What? Verse 10, he says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So basically he's saying, to you, the, the mystery of like all that was happening in the Old Testament, the, the, the fullness of the gospel, it is being unveiled to you. It has been given to know. Like, you, this is God's grace to you. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Then he says something fascinating. But for others, they are in parables. And then he quotes Isaiah. And he says, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. He's, he's, he's referencing this story from when God says to Isaiah, this is, and this is just fascinating too. This is, it is scary. It is sobering. Hopefully this morning that you feel the weight of this. Because this is a sobering, sobering thing. Isaiah was commanded by God to go out and preach to the people. Isaiah was this Old Testament prophet. And he was, and he ministered in the midst of all kinds of rebellion and rejection. The, he would go out and proclaim the Word of God and nobody wanted to hear it. And God says to Isaiah, you're going to go out there and you're going to preach and no one's going to want to hear it. They have been rejecting me for generations. They are going to keep rejecting me. You're going to go out there and you're going to preach and they are not going to want it. Seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And God says, actually, you're going out there and you're proclaiming, you're proclaiming the word of God to them, but it is going to have this deadening effect on them. It's going to be like shooting morphine into their veins where they should feel conviction. They're not. The word of God is actually going to desensitize them. It's not going to do what it does for the people who love it. It's going to do the opposite of it. They have, they have rejected me, God says, and they have continually, intentionally, willfully rejected me. And so he says, you're going to go out there and you're going to continually and willfully and, 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 and intentionally deaden them with the word of God. They should feel pain. They should feel conviction. It should hurt to feel it, but instead, it's going to feel like nothing. They have hardened their hearts against me. And now I'm bringing the word in judgment. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, okay guys, for, for you, for you, the, the mysteries of the kingdom have been revealed. The gospel has, been, has, has opened your eyes. Like you hear it and you want it and you're clamoring for more. You're coming up afterwards and you're saying, what are you talking about? Tell us more. We need to understand your words. You have a completely different relationship with the Word than these other people do. So I'm going to just speak to them in parables because they've been rejecting me and they're going to continue to reject me and so they're going to hear nothing but the sower and the seed and who knows what it means. This is why for all of us this morning, for me and for everybody in this room, verses 16 through 18 are so important. Look at verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, and this is, this is a sobering warning to all of us. We need to all just grab hold of this. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand 
so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. And so, and so sometimes in the, in the Gospels, Jesus is talking about being the light of the world, being the salt of the earth, and He's talking about going out and being evangelistic. That's not, that's not what He's talking about here. Here He's talking about the actual Word of God, and in the end, it is going to be made manifest for everybody. Nothing will be hidden that will not be made manifest. You cannot, you cannot cover up, hide, conceal the Word of God. In the end, it is going to be made known to be true. It just absolutely 100% is. And he says, since that's the case, take care then how you hear. Verse 18. And this is he saying to all of us. He's saying to his inner 12 disciples and he's saying to all of us, take care then how you hear. For, the, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. In the end, the Word of God is going to be seen to be completely true. And so, for right now, it is vital for us to take care how we hear. Like, if you, do you, if you have any interest in the Word of God, pray for more. God gives it to you. He gave it to you in the first place. He can give you more. If you have any understanding of the Word of God, pray for more. Dive in. Listen to it taught. Study it. Ask questions. Talk about it with other believers. Take care how you hear. Treasure the Word of God. If you believe the Word of God, pray that you would believe it more and more. If you understand it, pray for more understanding. If you love it, pray for more love of the Word of God. This is God's gift to you. This is because God has opened your eyes. If the teaching of Jesus is clear to you and precious to you, don't take that for granted. Dive in. Cherish the Word of God. Because here's the thing. Those who don't care get it taken away from them. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. That's the tear the clear teaching of Jesus. I want you to think about this with me this morning. Let's be very frank this morning. Let's be, let's be very clear this morning. If you sit here week after week and you hear the Word of God, like a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about what it meant to follow Jesus. And I said, you've got to come to Jesus. And so I, 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 I spent a lot of time talking about the importance of, of faithfully, physically attending your local church. And that's, I mean, I, I banged the music stand and I just got, I got into it. That was the thing. And so any conversation I've had about that sermon since then, it's been about that. It was fun. It, was, it, was, it offended some people. It was great. I, I, I just, I, I'm looking forward to when I can do that again. It was, it was good. But the other two parts of that, not just coming to church, it's hearing the Word of God and doing it. So if you are coming to church, and you come almost every Sunday, and you maybe even help out a little bit, I'm not talking about the two hours you spend here Sunday mornings. I'm talking about the rest of your life. Your, your Monday through Saturday life. 
Let's stop and ask ourselves right now, is the Word of God changing me? Is it impacting me? Do you, are, you, are you the kind of person who wants to know what the Word of God says and then wants to know what does it mean to, to submit to that in my daily life? How, am I intentional about obeying the Word of God? Is there, is there a love for God's Word in my everyday life? Like, do I want to treat my wife the way God wants me to treat my wife? Do I want to fight against sin? Do I want to be a patient, humble person? Am I, am I working towards kindness and generosity? Am I, am I, am I trying to be more faithful and more holy and more pure? Is the Word of God a huge deal to me? Am I hearing it and doing it? Is that your story? I'm not talking about if you show up and you listen. And you, and, and the, and the word of God hits your ears because I'm telling you, I don't know how else to say this. I'm, I'm telling you as clearly as I can. If you are just showing up and the word of God is hitting your ears, but it's not changing you, it is actually judgment on you. This is, this is God's judgment on you. Because the, the, because the words of Jesus, Jesus is both clear and confusing. If you, if you harden your heart against Jesus, he, he will, he will deaden you. He will inject morphine into you. He will confuse you. If, if you don't care about the Word of God, pray now. Start praying. Now, that God will change your heart. That God will open your eyes. You'll want it. And if you feel yourself just kind of drifting away from the Word of God, like, eh, eh, I don't care. If, you, if you're feeling that, you pray now. Because the one, who, the one who doesn't care, the one who lets it go, the one who pushes away from it, it will be taken away from them. Jesus is such a blessing to those who want it. And yet, in that same moment, in that same room, it it is judgment on those who will not believe, those who will not submit. Jesus is both clear and confusing. And that brings us to number three. Following Jesus is both now and for the rest of your life. So they, the, the, the disciples, they rally around Jesus, and they're like, I did, what, what? They huddle up, and they say, they say Jesus, what was, the, what was that thing you said? Why did, what was that? What did you say? What, did, what are you talking about? He says, I will tell you. I will tell you. Verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So this, these are the people with just incredibly hard hearts. Like, nothing about the word of God penetrates their hearts whatsoever. I mean, it, they, it, it kind of enters their ears, but they just, it makes no impact on them whatsoever. They could care less. They dismiss it without even really trying to internalize it at all. They just don't care. They, these are the, this is just this hard path. This is just a hard, 
beaten down path. There's, there's just, there's no way that seed was going to get planted in that. There's just no. There's nothing there. There's no soil. There's no softness. There's nothing. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. So, so here Jesus has pictured this very thin layer of soil, just a really thin layer of soil, and it's, and it's covering very rocky surface. Like it's a, I mean, underneath that very thin layer of soil is a lot of rocks. There's no way that roots are going to grow deep in any way whatsoever. These are the, I mean, so these are the people who, they, they, the, the Word of God penetrates in some sort of way. And they may even get like emotional about it. They, they believe for a while. Like kind of, they, they, there's, there's things about the Gospel that they really like. There's things about, uh, yeah, there's things about Jesus that they really like. And so, and, and so they even kind of, they, they seem like they're in. You know, they, they seem like they really get it. They seem genuine. I mean, if you've been following Jesus for, for ten years or more, you've seen way too many stories like this. We even talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning. This just happens way too much. Where it seems like people, they, it seems like they're saved. It seems like they really get it. It seems like they, they really want to follow Jesus. It seems like they've, they've truly, you know, they're truly in. But then a time of testing comes and they fall away. Once they realize, oh, wait, wait, this is going to be, this is going to be hard. People are going to think I'm stupid for following Jesus. People are going to think that I'm out of touch if I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to be... I'm, this is not going to be good. And then, come to find out, Jesus doesn't make my life super easy. Like I, I, I'm following Jesus and then all this hard stuff still happens to me. I still deal with sickness. I still deal with heartache. I, there's still troubles. Like this is... No, I'm out. I'm out. This is not worth it. We've seen that way too much. Testing comes, it comes, it becomes really difficult to say, yeah, I'm with Jesus. And then, then people leave. And, and, and then he says, then he says in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. And so these people, it's not like testing or lots of trouble that comes, or like a, like this big like like this big crisis moment where they're like, yeah, I'm done with Jesus. I've, if he's gonna if he's gonna allow that, then I'm just out. Or if I'm gonna be make, made fun of all the time, I'm out. This is more just like the cares of the world. This is like the schedule just gets busy. You, you've got. You've got things to, to worry about. You've got, you've got things to buy. You've got things to do. You've got, like, life just gets busy. I tell, um, college students a lot when they're having a hard time, like, being faithful to church, uh, when they're having a hard time following Jesus. I was like, it's never gonna get easier than it is right now for you. I mean, you get, you say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be really in when I, when I get married. No, no, you won't, because you'll have, Babies and babies are just—I mean, babies are dumb. They like—they—they they decide like it's—it's it's party time, like Sunday morning at 3 a.m. Right? And it's just—they're gonna get up, they're gonna eat, they're gonna—they're gonna barf all over, then they're gonna laugh for an hour. They're just babies are not—they don't schedule things well. They're 
They're exhausting. You buy that first house, it's going to be a fixer-upper. Sunday mornings are great for, for working on the... Like, it's never... Your, your schedule is never going to get easier than it is now. And this is what happens. Our lives get filled with... No, and usually it's nothing major. It's just the stuff of life. It's the, it's the cares and the worries and the, and the riches and the pleasures. It is just the stuff of life. And if Jesus gets squeezed out, you know what that means? It means He was never truly a big deal to you in the first place. It means you never truly understood Him in the first place. Because, because what Jesus is trying to say in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the Word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. What Jesus is trying to say is that, is that yes, following Jesus is these moments, for sure. Yep, it, it, it happens in moments, but it's also for the rest of your life. I, I can think of many, not many, but quite a few watershed moments in my life. I can, I can think in my Christian journey where, um, where I just had these moments that are going to stick with me. They, and I would consider them to be transforming moments where, where I, I remember being Baptized, I I, re, I remember having these you know certain conversations with people where where powerful truths came home to me, and like I'm I'm never gonna forget that stuff. It changed my life. But then I, here's the other thing that I've seen way too much is I've seen many people who they had it seemed like just as great a moment as I had. They, they, they had moments like where they were baptized and where they were, they just got all emotional about the truth of the Word of God and they just, I mean, it seemed like they have, they were having the same moments that the rest of us were having and now they're gone. Things got tough and they fell away. Life got busy and they fell away. Proving that they never truly believed, that they were never truly born again because, because following Jesus is both now and for the rest of your stinking life. This, and this isn't in my notes, but, I just, but I've already preached too long, so I can, I can talk about this. Um, if, you're, if you're interested in like some of like my ministry philosophy, here's a lot of it right here. Boring. Let's do the same thing every week. Let's do the same thing every week. I hope, I hope Josh Finch... He's, he's, he's probably going to die before I do. I, I'm, I can't wait to preach his funeral in, what, 60 years? How old are you? I'm, that, I'll be 100. Yeah, so I'll still be going strong. Um, but I want to say, yeah, Josh, he's, he, he, he came to church every week. He helped out in youth group. He loved his wife, loved his kids. He's faithful. He's faithful. Then he died. That's where Jesus is saying that's where it is. Along the way, he located new sin in his life, so he fought hard against it. Along the way, he had questions, so he, he sought out people who could, who could help him figure those things out. Along the way, his wife had to say to him, no, don't do that. That's stupid. And he said, you're, you're right. You're right. It is stupid. What else, can, what else should I do? She, I got a list. That's my, that's my mission. That's like, that's like my ministry philosophy right there. Let's get old and die following Jesus. 
day by day, week by week. I don't I like. I want you know the moments that we can put on Instagram or on Facebook. Those are nice. That's great. Those those transformative moments. Those are fine. I'm not I'm not working for those. I want to be able to at your funeral say I know where they are today because they bore fruit with patience. They kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. Yeah, they they yeah they did some stuff they shouldn't have done. They had they did some stuff. They had to come back and say I'm really sorry. Shouldn't have done that. They did some stuff. But the story of their life, slow but sure, bearing fruit with patience. If you wonder, what's, what's, what's Steve going for? That, I mean, there it is. That's what I'm going for. Let's remember, church, um, how, how inclusive Jesus is. If Jesus can save you and me, he can save any kind of person. There ain't nobody beyond his reach. But let's also hold just as firmly to how exclusive he is. If there are people among us, even we ourselves, who are saying, yeah, I'm with Jesus, but I'm not going to submit to his word in that way. No, we can't have that. We can't have that. We can't have it. We have to fight hard against that in our own lives and in the lives of others. We have to always be encouraged each other. No, you gotta, you got you, you, you gotta push for a long obedience, for faithful obedience, a lifetime of obedience. Because, because Jesus is both clear and confusing. If you, if you don't want His Word, He will take it away from you. You reject Him? All right. You'll get parables. You'll get nothing. People around you will love the Word of God and they'll be stirred by it and they'll be changed by it. And it'll be like, it'll, be, it, it'll, it'll deaden you. Jesus will judge you with His Word. Pray. Pray that God gives you more and more hunger and interest and love for His Word. Pray that God helps you with more and more obedience. Go for it. Dive in. And, and keep going. There's coming a day where, where our very, very, very patient Savior is going to bring us home to Him. And it's going to be clear this was the work that He, that he did in our lives. He did this He did this patient, gracious work of of holding us as we hold fast to His Word and as we bear fruit with patience. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love and we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would help us to, to hear it and do it. Please, please help us. I don't ever want to be deadened to your word, God. I never want to be desensitized. I don't want it taken away from me. We, have, we, have, we are nowhere without it. So I pray, God, that you would, for all of us, pray that you would, for, for all of us, 
Help us to hold fast to your word day in, day out, week in, week out, decade in, decade out. Help us to hold fast to your word and help us to bear fruit with patience. This is all your grace to us. We, we long for it. We depend upon you for it. Please do it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.